Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. this morning, inviting you, Lord Jesus, ruler, king, Lord, it's your church. We thank you for the opportunity to to walk in what you're doing and to come into alignment with what you're doing. We thank you for that. We invite you, Holy Spirit, would you stir every heart? Would you speak to every heart this morning? God, my prayer is that you would release revelation to each one, that eyes would be open, that ears would be open to hear what you are saying to them. Father, I pray it would be personal. I pray that it would be direct, that each person would experience your voice and know, Lord, what you're saying to them. I pray for that grace to be released today, Lord a grace for hearing and perception. I pray these things right now in Jesus' mighty name. And if you dared to agree with that, you said, amen. (laughs) Come on, would you do me a favor? Would you look at your neighbor and go, I think this is the right morning for us to be here. This is going to be a good one. I feel it. Last weekend was Rosh Hashanah. If you're familiar, um, that might sound like Hebrew to you instead of English. That's because it was. There you go. Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year. It is the time each year where we celebrate the, the turning of the date. Anybody know the date? 5784. Who was that? Wave at me. Yeah, come on, buddy. 5784. Rosh Hashanah happened this last weekend. Ten days after Rosh Hashanah is a holiday called Yom Kippur. It's the Day of Atonement. In each of these holidays, celebrations, there is prophetic meaning. Each one of them communicates something of the gospel to us. There are gifts of God that he set in motion and he's invited us to come into the celebration of or into alignment with what he's doing. When we do that, significant stuff happens, okay? The new year, the turning of a page, the the looking at the, the, the new date, if you will, it's such a gift to us as a community. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I won't be bothered if you won't, but you, you got to do what you got to do, mama. We give grace to that, yeah? You guys are good? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, congratulations. She looks like a beautiful, yeah. So Lord has given us the gift of the shift of dates. It's a new day. It's an opportunity to look at a fresh year, to look at the future and go, okay, what is to come? In each of these dates in Hebrew, the, the words of the numbers literally have meaning to it. And so often there is prophetic meaning ascribed to each year. And the Lord does this intentionally. This year happens to look like the meaning of the date, 5784, means 
a door that's opened and a door that's shut. It's a transition. Quite literally, it is to walk through the door and have everything change. Right? It is a, a, a threshold, if you will. There's several scriptures that talk about that. We're going to look at a few of them. But what I want you to see is how amazing us coming together today actually is. It's such a beautiful picture. Because we have the turning of the page, a threshold, we're crossing it, and what follows right after, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the Lord divinely resets your connection to Him. He established this from the beginning, the very beginning, by the way. I, many of you know I have a passion for looking at the heavens. I, anybody like to gaze at the stars? Just the wonder of it? Oh, man, my fa- it fills my soul. My, one of my favorite pastimes is having my kids laying out under dark skies. When I say dark skies, I mean you can see the whole Milky Way. And, you know, you had to spend a little bit of time in the darkness gazing up at it before your eyes adjust to it. But then it's, some, it's, so, it's wonderful. It's wonder. Suddenly, it's like a veil gets pulled off, and you can see clearly. So beautiful. Our family will gaze up under the stars and wonder at all that God has done in history, and we talk about it. Because from the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, if you've got a Bible, you're welcome to turn there. Don't worry, it's a legal meeting. Genesis 1, 14 says, God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Oh, that makes sense. Let them be for, what's those next words? For signs, okay? For, for, wow, you guys are, (laughs) I can't tell if you are uh, not knowing what I'm asking you to do or just an obstinate, stiff-necked people. (laughs) For signs, for years, for days, seasons, right? For the marking of time. The Lord set the heavens like a giant clock so that we would know what time it is. Day and night, we would know what time it is. This is prophetic and natural. Every, the, every calendar was set according to the heavens until we, the modern calendars. Okay? The modern calendar, the one that we work off of, is not based on the lunar cycles or the heavens. It's, it's just not. There's an interruption to that, and so I think sometimes from our Western point of view, it's a little difficult to embrace this. But what I want to say to you is that when the Lord set Rosh Hashanah, the new year, in place, he did so prophetically because it means something. It happens to be every year right around the autumn equinox or the shift of seasons, And so quite literally, it is the celebration of the shift of seasons into a new day. Immediately following that, 10 days following that, would be Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, or a reset, a divine reset, where the Lord washes and atones for man's sin, where mercy is given, where you leave the old behind and you step into the new day. So beautiful, amazing pictures prophetically, and they all spoke of the Christ who would come, Jesus. Because Jesus is the ultimate 
sacrifice. He is the lamb slain before the foundations of the earth were set. The Lord had already determined that the Lord Jesus would set this covenant in place, this new covenant, where the old is gone and the new has come. There's a divine reset that's upon your life right now. I don't know if you know this. Anybody have a little bit of uh, expectation for what's coming? Okay. <laughs> okay. Anybody holding a little bit of fear and trepidation because you're seeing all the really, really, really significant changes that are happening in the world right now? A little bit? Yeah, you should. A little bit of the fear of the Lord, like, hey, we ought to slow down and make sure we're aligned with the heavens. That we would know the season and the time and know what to do, like the sons of Issachar. It's, a, it's an invitation, I believe, that God gives his people, that we get to walk in understanding of our time and season so that the rest of the world also knows what to do. Has it been a while since I've been in this pulpit? I must have been, because I feel like we're having to revisit some of this. <laughs> I will let you know that I'm a Packers fan. Okay? Well, you can boo me if you want, but I'm holding the microphone, and you're stuck in a seat here. If you want me to move through this content so you can get to what you're trying to get to, I slow down if I don't hear amens, man. I'm telling you, I, it just makes me feel like I got to reiterate the point, you know? <laughs> God set these things in motion, and they're fulfilled in Christ, but they're perpetual. They're perpetual. We, we are meant to remember. We're not meant to forget what God's done in history. We're meant to bring it forward. The new covenant transforms the day of atonement from something that needs to be held every year to something that was, was a set-apart moment where the blood of Christ was shed once for all, perpetually, for the end of time. He is the perpetuation. He is the, 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 he is the one who was sacrificed, the lamb slain before the beginning of the foundations of the earth, and when you come into alignment with his sacrifice, this new covenant, a and further sacrifices are no longer needed. Jesus' blood has atoned for your life. Amen. Worth celebrating. It's amazing. That's why we celebrate communion. It's why we do this every week, to proclaim this continually. When I was in uh, stationed in Germany, I was in the military for several years, and um, was stationed overseas. One of my first assignments was overseas in Germany. This is 1998 to 2002, okay? You can do the math to find out how old I am. But the, in this station, we, we had the privilege of living in a little German town. Beautiful, it's wonderful. We chose, Nicole and I, it's a married couple, we chose to live in, uh, amongst the Germans, not so much amongst the military folk. Okay, and what that meant was we were going to have to adjust some of the things we were doing. And uh, so we rented this, this uh, beautiful old home. It was an old farmhouse built in 1933, okay? 
didn't get bombed out during the war. There it was, 1933 architecture. And we, walked, we fell in love with this home. It's quaint, beautiful, right? Little farm community. There's a pub like one street over that just served the best schnitzel in, that we ate the whole time we were there. So pommes frites or French fries and schnitzel and, and uh, man, a good, uh, th- there was also the home of a brewery like right down the street. And so was, this is like amazing, like awesome beer, good pork fried, awesome fries, okay? And, and, and so, and they, you know, the sporting events are celebrated and the whole town comes out. It was this little picture of just fun, beautiful, like we wanted to be a part of it. And so we were like, yes. We fell in love with it. Yeah, that's the house we want. And we had all our stuff shipped over from America. <laughs> oh, I heard someone say it. To, to think America big into 1933 farmhouse. Small. All our furniture shows up, right? And we're like, we realize that the thresholds of our doors, we're going to allow some things through. And other things were going to be prevented. And so we went up to the master bedroom, and we have our bed, and we're bringing it in, and we're a newly married couple, and this is, you know, we're, this is, it's the beautiful master bedroom, and overlook the city, it's awesome, and we got the box spring, we took it to the, the stairs. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, that thing, no matter what angle you put it at, it was not going up them stairs, it was not entering through the new door. Okay. And so I didn't want I didn't want to sleep in the kitchen down on the first floor. <laughs> right? I wanted the bedroom. <laughs> and so uh, we looked at that thing, you know, what are we gonna do? And I realized that I own a saw. <laughs> so I cut that box spring up and reassembled it upstairs with some two by fours, right? Transitioning between rooms is where people often get stuck. Okay? Let me talk real to you. Church, we are standing in the doorway of what I believe are some of the most dynamic changes for sure in modern history. But those challenges are surrounding us. They are in culture in almost every way where culture has bumped up against something. And on the other side of it, they are, the generations are not allowing some things through that have been allowed in previous generations. There are things that you have to leave behind if you're going to have any kind of role in the new day. There are, there are perspectives that you cannot bring through that door. There is a generational divide that's demanding change. It's showing up in the natural. We have the largest trans transfer of wealth in human history taking place right now, right in front of you. We've had prophetic words about it forever. All the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. These words have been ringing forever and all the church goes, yes and amen. We're so excited for all that to be deposited in our accounts. (laughs) I don't think you understand what's happening because it's already happening. Are Are you rich right now? And if you are, would you please begin to tithe? That'd be great. Listen, this transition is upon us. 10 million businesses will close, sell, pay, be passed on, 
right? This transition is upon us right now because you had a generation of people who put their hand to the plow and they created something and they've come to the end of their run in terms of employment and working and they want to retire. And as they hit that wall, they're looking for how do I pass it off? Let me give you the grim statistics about transform, transferring wealth from one generation to the next. Because most wealth is in the valuation and it is not in paper dollars. The value of what the previous generation holds is in the amount of $10 trillion. And 95%, 95% will not successfully pass their organization or business on to the next generation. That is your business statistic. Historical fact, you can argue with me, but you're wrong. You bump right up against it, and every single time this takes place in history, it's the same story over and over. Will you and I learn the lesson? Will you? I don't know. I got prophetic words, Pastor, about how much I'm, I'm supposed to be wealthy. Okay, well, how's that going for you? Did you learn something yet? 5% will successfully pass on to the next generation. That is a hard line. The reason that's only 5% is because there is a key that opens that door or closes that door. There is a key. I'm going to tell you the key this morning. I'm also, by the way, writing a book about this stuff. Finally, I feel like I've been preaching about this for 12 years. I've been prophesying the same message. You probably have heard me say these things many times, but maybe not in this fashion. Look at this passage of scripture with me, would you? This is Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Matthew 19, verse 16. This is Jesus talking to a young man who is a business guy. We are seeing the largest transformation, largest transfer of wealth in human history. We're also seeing the end of three to four generations of iniquity that's coming to its end as well. And so the sins of our father from three or four generations ago have gone to this point and we're bumping up against it and it's the next generation that gets to decide if the sins of the father will be perpetuated in this next generation. The conscious memory of trauma is about 150 to 200 years. Our nation's bumping right up against the slavery issue, racism issue, Three to four generations of iniquity in generations. We are coming to the edge of it, and it will be decided right now by the next generation what will be perpetuated or what will be done away with finally. We, thank you, yeah. It's a glorious opportunity right now in front of us. Will we repent and have reconciliation and turn the page, or are we just going to keep singing this song again? Native American history, it's the same thing. It's the same trauma. Y'all, we've seen it perpetuated for 150 to 200 years in each of these things. So much pain, so much sorrow. Will we step into a new day or will we try to carry that junk through? I don't know. It's up to the next generation. But we are in a glorious moment that the body of Christ gets the opportunity to step into a new day and to lead the way. We are in a moment of history where we can fulfill prophetic words. Step into your destiny. 
<laughs> or, or, which are you going to have? I don't know. Which are you wanting? There's a threshold here, and it requires a step in. This is Jesus' words, not mine. Don't get mad at me. Matthew 19, 16. Young man came up to him and said, Teacher, what's good? <laughs> what good thing should I do to obtain eternal life? He said to him, Why are you asking me what's good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, if you wish to go from where you're at into the new room, a new day, Keep the commandments. He said to him, well, which ones? Jesus said, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are good things. The young man said, all these things I've kept, what am I still lacking? Whew. And then here we bump up to what the real grind is. What am I still lacking? Jesus said, okay, if you wish to be complete, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Now I have heard many preachers try to turn this into, he didn't say sell all of it and he didn't say give all of it away. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. What he said is, you are hooked by the things of the world, and you're going to need to die to that thing if you want to follow me. That's what he said. And everybody in the room who wants that thing comes alive on the inside, and then when it dawns on you what it means, the frown comes to the face. The young man said, all these things I've kept, what am I lacking? Jesus said, okay, if you want to be complete, have treasure in heaven, follow me, sell, give it to the poor. When the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is hard for a rich man, the kingdom of heaven is the dominion of heaven. It is hard for a rich man to surrender his choices to heaven versus him being the captain of what he does with his stuff. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were astonished, and they said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, with people, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Okay? With people, in other words, human ingenuity. Talk to your therapist enough. Get convinced by human power. It's not possible. You're not going to be able to surrender with human thought. The only way you're going to get there is if God partners in this thing. Something supernatural has to take place in your heart. You got to be willing to sell all to buy the field with the treasure buried in it. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who's looking for pearls and he finds the pearl of great price and he's willing to sell everything to buy that pearl. He knows its value. He's willing to sell it all. He's willing to leave 
Everything that he's gained in the past season, all that you learned, all of your titles. Can I say, I think the biggest issue with this generation and the next generation is entitlement. You think you earn something and you have a voice and that it's due to you. No, I went through that school and I know something. And so because I know something, then you need to value what I have to say. Jesus said, no, if you want the new day, then you're going to have to let go of your claims to what you have earned and what you have perceived, what you've come to know, what you think is important, what all that stuff. All the things that you think are yours. My calling, my identity, all that stuff has got to be left open-handed to the Lord. I'll give you an example. This thing happens all the time. I, you know, I love y'all. I, I really do. I love this church. I, I love each one of you, for real. Pray for you. Pray for your families. I want to see you... Like, here, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I want that for you. I want your kids to thrive. I want you to be good parents. I want all that stuff for you. Sometimes we'll have folks who come from a previous season, and they were powerful in their previous season. So I'll have, uh, you know, pastors who pastored churches, you know, and, and they start attending here. Something, they, they left their church behind or they, you know, it's, it was a past season. They know some stuff. They're equipped. They know some things. But it's from a previous season. And so they come here and they'll tell me these things and I have great value and honor for that. I really do. But the title from the past season doesn't apply in this one. You were a senior pastor over there. That's awesome. Praise God for your life and for what you did in that season for those people. Well, I would like to be a senior pastor here. Awesome. Well, you're going to have to plant a new church. I'd like to carry that authority through. That's not how it works. Your riches end at the transition. When you step into a new day, you have to let go of the old stuff if you're going to embrace the new. It's how it works. Did you know in the last, you know, I mean, this isn't that far ago. This is, this is 20, 30 years ago. I, I'll tell you this because it feels really, it feels real to us. But churches gathered around doctrine for a long time. Belief, right? We agree, and that's why we come together. It was a powerful thing and so because that's why we came together, because the person who would stand in the pulpit needed to be the most educated person. They needed to be most qualified according to what we believe. And so that person went to seminary and they achieved degrees and they achieved knowledge because knowledge is what qualified you to lead the group of people who are gathered around what we agree to. And so authority was based on a degree. It was based on your pedigree of learning. In a new season, guess what? Flip that on its head. As soon as knowledge became available to everyone in access. See, it used to be that you had to have 
understanding to read the lexicons, to understand the Hebrew, to understand the nuances of Greek and how it applied. All that stuff is still really good to know, except for right now, literally, I can ask Siri. Hey, AI, give me a sermon. Boom, there it is. Knowledge isn't the issue anymore, is it? And thank God it isn't. Because the body of Christ is called to become fully mature itself. Like I said at the beginning, with Pastor Dave was encouraging y'all to, like when you hear from the Lord, share it. Because all of us can hear the Lord's voice. All of us have the Holy Spirit living in you. If you don't, man, don't leave today without it. We would love to pray with you. Surrender your life to Jesus. It'll be amazing. But we're all growing together into the fullness of Christ, and all of us are called to walk in all the stuff. Okay. Do you see it? Can I tell you, there are a thousand of those types of transitions taking place in the world right now. Qualified in one season, now on strike because there's not enough pay for what we used to do. Why? Because what we used to do doesn't work in the new season. We're in it. In every direction, we're in it. What I want to propose to you today is that the Holy Spirit of God knows the end from the beginning. He always knew what time it was, and he's been inviting the body of Christ to lead through the transitions, to lead the way. This has been coming for a long time. I've been preaching this message for, I don't know, way too many years, and it's finally time. Let's ring the bell, y'all, because it's time. Hmm. Mm-mm. There was this, uh, this dude, his name was Elijah. He, uh, he was a hairy guy, Elijah. And um, he's a prophet in Israel, in Israel's history. The prophet's job is to hear what God's saying and then communicate it to authority. And then the kings make decisions, hopefully choosing to align their nations with the heavens, with what God's saying. Okay? Elijah, however, didn't have favor with King Ahab because he had told him, hey, you're doing some stuff wrong and you need to change. And Ahab didn't like that. Ahab is the king of Israel. And we know the story and how this all plays out. But what I want to say to you is that Elijah was walking in an anointing from God where he was hearing and he was able to perceive and communicate. And he moved in miracles. Enough to that the scripture continues to say the spirit of Elijah is to come. There's something in what Elijah did that's necessary in each generation. Elijah had a servant. His name was Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. What up, dude? That's my friend Elisha right over there. <laughs> Elijah had a servant. His name's Elisha. And Elisha, his whole job was to wash Elijah's hands, prep food. He was just his servant. Elijah did his thing, and Elisha continued to commit himself to serving his master. And at the end of their time together, and Elijah is going to go home to heaven. His transition is coming. Elisha feels it. Other prophets feel it. Elijah begins to try to give Elisha a new job so that Elisha has something to do when Elijah leaves. 
So Elisha takes him to different companies of prophets. You can read the stories for yourself. He takes him to different cities, and he's, he introduced them. And the prophets in that city are looking at Elisha like, oh, there's the man. And Elijah's trying to say to Elisha, hey, take that job because you're set after I leave. You'll be an authority in that place. So he goes to Jericho and the prophets come out. He goes to other places. Same thing's happening everywhere. And Elijah keeps trying to help Elisha embrace a new role. But Elisha's not having any of it. So he sticks to him. He refuses to leave. And finally they get to this point where Elijah is about to cross the river and he's going to be taken home to heaven. Smacks the river with his cloak. The river opens up. They walk on dry ground. This is some, woo! And Elijah turns to Elisha and says, okay, what do you want? Elisha says, I want a double portion of what you're walking in. I want what you have on the increase. I am here and have my eye fixed on what you are walking in and I'm not changing my mind. I am not settling for something else. I see the work of God of value in your generation and I know that it is supposed to exist in my generation. And so Elisha stays with them and Elijah says, listen, if you see me when I go, then you can have it. But something crazy happens. The wind kicks up and a tornado comes out of the clouds. And then fiery horses, a chariot, I don't know how this works, a chariot made of fire and horses made of fire separate Elisha from Elijah. In other words, he's clinging to them, but then he has to let go. I think it's probably a good idea, like fiery chariot thing, you know? And tornado, I don't know why you're not ducking for cover, but you're standing there and a tornado comes and picks Elijah up and takes him to heaven. A tornado. And the word was, if you stick with this, if you obtain my vision, if you see me when I go, if you're there with me in this, to the end, it's yours. The mantle falls down. Elisha picks up. We know Elisha walks in double the amount of miracles. He walks over that river, smacks the river with the coat. It splits up for him. Where's the God of Elijah? Well, there he is. He's with you, dude. He keeps bumping in all the people that he tried to get a job from, right? And they're all like, oh, look, the thing's on you now. Awesome. Did you know that Elisha also had a servant? And he tried to pass off the mantle, the responsibility, the call of God to his servant. His name was Gehazi. Gehazi had all the experiences, he had all the stuff. But did you know that at the end, Gehazi fell and refused? He took his eye off the prize. Why? Because he was willing to work for money. He wanted the wealth and the prominence that came with the role. That's what he wanted. He wanted the kickback. That's what he wanted. He wasn't there to walk in his master's vision. He was there to implement his own. And so it did not come to him. And the scripture talks about how Elisha dies. There's other times where he tried to pass it off. Elisha dies and no one got it. No one got it. And then we pick up what I think is one of the weirdest verses in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 13. It's weird. 2 Kings 13, 20. Elisha died. Okay, we got that one. And they buried him. 
bands of Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. And as they were burying a man, they saw a marauding band coming, and so they took the man and they cast him into the grave of Elisha. So they're getting attacked. Whoa, we don't have time for the burial process right now. We'll come back and we'll do this later. What do they do? They push off the lid of something else. They throw him in the bone box, throw the lid back on, and then we're going to take off. The problem was is that when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up to his feet. In other words, the stuff went to the grave with Elisha. Yeah? I think one of the issues with big transitions is that they are painful and they are hard and they often require you to die in order to receive it. I think sometimes you have to die to something to touch the bones of something else. I think you're going to, you, we just, it's hard. It's not easy sometimes. But I think it's where revival is born is when we're willing to finally let go of our thing and embrace what God's doing. Is anybody alive in this room right now? Personally, I believe, just prophetically speaking, that there are, there are, are countless works of God that have taken place in history that didn't get passed on to the next generation. But they're still there waiting for somebody to be desperate enough to honor what God did in a different generation to bring it through the door. They're willing to go, oh, I clearly don't know what I'm doing, and I can see that God did something over there. I am willing to let go of my agenda, surrender my life to the Lord, and honor what God has done in a previous generation. As a result, you get to bring it through the door. Isaiah twenty two twenty two. I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder, and when he opens, no one will shut, and when he shuts, no one will open. I will set the key of the household of David. Repeat after me, the key. Okay, what's a key? It is something that opens the way. The word literally means the opener, access granted. What was the thing that David utilized to access his destiny that was resting on King Saul at the time? David was a shepherd. He's a nobody. Nobody knows him or cares that he exists. I think there's proof in the scriptures that David is actually an illegitimate son. His dad's a dad, but it was a different woman. There's, there's reason to believe, there's scriptural evidence that he was not a part of the marital covenant and the lineage of his father. He's in the field. Prophet comes to their house. Samuel's there to anoint the next king. Samuel looks at all of Jesse's sons because Jesse brought all his real sons into the room and none of them are him. And then the prophet says, listen, I don't mean to be rude, but do you have any more sons? Yeah, I got this one, but he's not really, right? He's, he's illegitimate. Bring him before me. We won't eat until he gets here. He walks in the room. God goes, that's the man. 
He pours out the flask and prophetically anoints David, the nobody from nowhere, ruddy little kid, anoints him to be the next king of Israel. David now knows that his assignment is to become the next king of Israel. But the anointing, the mark of God, the mantle rests on another person's family. So what does David do? He waits for his God opportunity. And then we know it comes. He lops off Goliath's head and he becomes one of Saul's, King Saul's, you know, like servant. He gets seated at his table. He's, he's like, the, oh, you're my son. He gives his daughter in marriage to David. Now David is the son-in-law of the king. Clearly, this is how God's going to do it, isn't it? Clearly. I got married in. It works. Ah! Right? I got on staff. I got the new job. I got the foot in the door. I don't know what it looks like for you. And then what takes place? Saul ends up wanting to kill him. He spends 15 years running for his life. But what's David's response? How does David access the mantle that rests on a guy who hates him? What is the principal key that opens the door for him to access it? David refuses. The whole life, he refuses to lift his hand against Saul. He honors him. He honors him. It didn't matter what Saul was doing, David honored him. The key of David, the key of David is when a next generation, the younger generation, honors their father and mother. Yeah, I don't like it either. <laughs> but I can tell you, everything good in my life came from honoring the previous generation. Everything that's ever worked in this church came from honoring the previous generation. It was the key. It's how we unlocked it. And I'm telling you that we definitely need right now at this major transition, we're going to step through the door. Society's already going. Like, you can't stop it. The page is turning. There is, I, there's so much I could go into here. You know, the Lord has been predicting it, if you will, from the very beginning. He's been telling us in the stars. The God clock is telling us what time it is. We're in a day of revival. We're in a day of reformation. We're in a day where the Lord is bringing a divine reset to the world. A billion, big B, billion soul youth harvest. That is the whole next generation is supposed to come into the kingdom. What is a billion youth going to bring through that door? Because like it or not, when you and I pass away, they will be in charge and they'll be deciding what's important to them. The voice of the old do not get to dictate what the voice of the new choose to do. If you're a parent, you understand that, that control is an illusion. It's an illusion. No, I'm the parent. You must. Uh, okay, well, they just pooped their pants, didn't they? You just had no, you had no say in this. 
Y'all, I, I want to help you this morning, okay? I, wanna, I, I believe in this church. I believe that we as a community are, are, have been given a gift, okay? The gift is that we understand the key of David. We understand it. It's when fathers turn their hearts toward their children and children towards their fathers. This is the spirit and mantle of Elijah that causes the next generation to step out of curses and open the new day without all that baggage. It's how we do it. I don't think there's an age cap on this. Like, well, everybody younger than 30 or whatever. I don't think there's an age cap. No, this is a generation. We the people who live right now are a generation. When David had a son, see, all of his sons became kings, right? Son, grandson, like it went down the line of the kings of Judah. But there were many kings the scripture refers to as they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But then we would have a king like a Hezekiah where the scripture would say, and he was doing what his father David did. And it referred to that son as a son of David. Why? Because he honored and did the things of the Lord. Because there was value placed on what the previous generation did that God was in, and they brought it through the door. I would love to revive every church in America right now. I would, I would love to revive congregations. I would love, if, if, I had my, if I had my choice, this is what I would do. I would go into a small town that has a dying church and as a young person, I would begin to serve that congregation and love them. I would begin to walk along. This is, by the way, if you want to understand the, the house church's church planting philosophy or all the missions philosophy, this is it. This is how we perpetuate the move of God. Is that you go to someone who possesses something of great value and you honor and you love and you recognize what God's doing there and then you choose to serve it. And in so doing, if you see them when they go, it will come to you. If we had a generation of young people who could recognize the value of small businesses, each one of you would become small business owners and we would revive towns. You might not be an insta-millionaire, but can I tell you the words of Jesus? You might want to get out of the buying and selling of homes to make quick cash, let go of the property world, and begin to invest in. <laughs> Young people, if you will choose to honor your father and mother, the land will open up to you and you will become those who steward what previous generations have walked in. The land won't cut you off. You'll be accepted, you'll be received, and suddenly you'll find yourself in possession and stewarding an authority. And I'm telling you right now, all of us are a generation. There are gaps in our families. 
There are what we would call prodigal children. There are broken down relationships. If I was someone who was in my 80s or 70s and I was a grandfather and I could look at the gaps in my family, I would give everything in me to serve and to love, to turn my hearts towards those kids, to mend the gaps in those families. That's what I would do. Because I would know the long game. Because I know that without honor, stuff won't pass on. That is of great value. I know that you and I are meant and called to build bridges. And that the inheritance of a previous generation is waiting for you to humble yourself and go and submit or love or honor until it passes. Because it's not meant to go to the grave. I look around this congregation and I'm like, y'all, you have in your generations, in your history, you have a thousand generations of blessing. It exists. And there is only three or four generations of curse. And so if your mind and your heart are fully embraced in the, the, what has been taken from you or what you're in pain from or blaming somebody or whatever that is, rise up out of those ashes and see that there is a thousand generations of blessing waiting for you. There are rebuilders, of, there, there are menders of the breach sitting here. There are those who will reverse curses in lands, that will redeem cities. There are those who are sitting here that nations, when you stand up and you do something, a whole nation will turn to the Lord. All of that's waiting for us, and it's right now. I, it's up to us. What will you do with it? What will you do with it? All right. It's probably half time now, sorry. <laughs> Let me go ahead and... Yeah, you're all checking your phones. It's fine. Whatever. Do your thing. Okay. Jesus can wait. It's okay. I took my watch off intentionally so that I wouldn't get alerts, okay? So that's where I'm at here. here. That's, I'm with you. Okay. Listen. What's the key of David? Okay. Three of you got it right. 95% failed, evidently. We're not learning this lesson. Okay, what's the key of David? To honor, okay? It's a principal key. It is what unlocks and opens the door so that what is in a previous generation can come through to yours. It is how you possess what the Lord has done in previous generations. You gotta value, you gotta honor. I would like to say to us as a church that I, I would love to see you succeed in life. I really would, and I'm on your side I want to see you succeed. I want to see you so outrageously blessed. Your family's thriving. I want all of that. This is the pathway, though. And I can't tell you if you're going to be an Elijah who was rejected by his generation or a Daniel who was praised and had great favor. But I can tell you that it's worth it to walk according to the voice of the Lord. You can do this. Ask the Holy Spirit what he is presenting you with. Every one of you have opportunities. Just ask him, Lord, what, what bridge are you asking me to build? What reconciliation are you asking me to bring? Is there a people group? Is there a situation? Is there a business? Am I to work for? 
Am I to serve that person? Just ask him. The Holy Spirit will be so clear with you. And in you doing that, do it with great honor, love, bless. Don't get it to receive. Get it to serve the Lord. You alive? Would you please jump to your feet this morning? Thank you. Who is that back there? Come on now. Yeah, thank you. She encourages me. Ugh. Double portion for you. You get that double portion. <laughs> Old things are passing away. New things are coming. You get to decide what gets to come through the gate of your life. Lord, I thank you for each one. In this moment, there are many who are standing at the edge of decision. Holy Spirit of God, I am asking you right now to speak to people. Cause your word to come alive in their hearts. Lord, we're just asking this question this morning. Lord, is there, is there a situation, a people group? Is there something that you're wanting me to build a bridge for? Would you just ask him that right now? You're a mender of the breach. It's the call of God. It's part of what he's called you to do. Reconcile people. Okay, awesome. Take note of that. Put it in a journal. Take note of it. Okay? Now, Holy Spirit, is there anything that I'm needing to leave behind as I cross this threshold into the new day? Is there something that I am meant to leave behind so that I can humble myself and learn in the new day? Just ask him, Lord, is there stuff that needs to get left behind? So today is the day of atonement. It's a day of mercy. It's a day of washing clean. So is there stuff that you're needing to leave behind? Holy Spirit, is there stuff we need to repent from, change, to let go of? Are there riches? Are there identities? Is there entitlements? Is there titles? Is there senses of authority or the things that are owed to us? Is there those things, Lord? Are there riches, things of value that we're, we are called? In the previous season, it was so valuable, but now you have to let it go if you're going to step into the new day. Or you can be a part of the wineskin as it begins to fail. It's okay. Either way, you just have to choose. Some are actually called to see the wineskin all the way out. Praise God. Others are called to step into something new. And so, Lord, I am asking today that you would help us. Help us. Grant us grace, Lord. God, we are desperately as a nation, we're asking for it. We're desperate, Lord, as a nation, that we would have fresh grace for a new day. I pray, God, that we would not be on the edge of the destruction as a nation, but we would step into a new day, a day of hope and promise being fulfilled. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would raise up leaders in this day, Lord, those who can stand in the courts of kings, those who can speak to power, those who can, who can act upon what you are wanting in the new day. Holy Spirit of God, would you raise them up? Make them men and women of peace, Lord. Come on, is there an amen in this house today? Lord, I am asking for the reconciliation of families. God, wayward kids have gone away, divisions in families where it's broken down and it's causing great pain and it will release curses to the third and fourth generation or we can humble ourselves and restore, Lord, that has been broken. And we're asking for grace, God. Holy Spirit, grant grace to families. Restore them.
reconcile them. Lord, nations, there are people groups. Shoo. There are people groups waiting for you to stand up. The glory of the Lord has come upon you, and if as you rise, as you stand up, the Lord will release hope to nations. Can a nation be born again in a day? The answer is yes. Yes, it can. The Lord wants to use you. So Lord, I'm asking now, by the power of your Holy Spirit and the conviction of your word, Lord, that you would speak so clearly into lives. Release grace, Lord, that we might step into this new day as a community and as individual families, Lord. We thank you for these things. Thank you, Lord. Okay. And now I bless you. I bless you as a people. I bless your family. I bless you. Abundant blessing be upon you, upon your home, I pray the Lord would expand the grip of your territory. The tents would be, it would be expanded. That the Lord would heap blessing upon blessing in your homes. I bless you. The fullness of all that God has for you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he be gracious to you. May his countenance be lifted upon you. May he walk and give you such abundant favor in these days and grant you peace. You would never again be tormented, that you would live in his shalom. I decree this today over you and your households in Jesus' mighty name. And anybody who dare to agree with that said, amen. All right. Can you give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.